0: Two dudes who aren't quite nerds but not quite noobs. Choose a horror movie each week to rate and review. I'm Oshvin, I've got Brian on the phone with me, and today we're reviewing the 2019 horror film Ready or Not, directed by Matt Bertinelli-Alpin and Tyler Gillette, starring Samra Weaving, Mark O'Brien, and Adam Brody. And this is a story of a newly married bride who falls victim to her in-law's family tradition. Um, Brian, is it safe to say we're kind of late to the party on this one?
1: Yeah, I think that's very safe.
0: Yeah, this one uh, I, I feel like it was a uh, top of a lot of people's list up for last year, and even uh, Whitney, right? This was her favorite movie. Yep. Yeah, this is the one she chose
1: for our art- article that we did on the best of the decade. Which go read yeah. that if you haven't read it yet. We had a few friends of the show pick their favorite movie, and that's how we. What did I say? Best of the decade. Oh
0: yeah. Best, best of <laughs> the... twenty
1: nineteen. Yeah. <laughs> We had a few people uh, pick their favorite of the year, and that's how we wrote that article. I say we; it was mostly other people who wrote it. But go, go read
0: that article. It's a pretty good read. Yeah, people who are a little more diligent on these movies than we were. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, this one kind of came out like late summer, and uh, I, I guess it was kind of a weird time for us. With, yeah, I, yeah. My really excuse
1: things. was a, I was about to have a baby, and you said you were going to try to think of an excuse before the end of the podcast, but oh yeah, <laughs> you've now
0: had weeks. My excuse was uh, you were waiting for me. <laughs> <That>
1: was, <laughs> you were just
0: was, you're so wrapped up in my life. <laughs> yeah I know I was, I, was, I was on edge too, man. <laughs> um, but I'm glad we finally saw this even though we're you know late, but uh, yeah, it, it would have been a good one to be able to speak to more. Uh, it, you know we also did our year-end wrap up last uh, week or two and it would have been a good one to be able to speak more intelligently about probably on that yeah. podcast. Yeah, I mean, I think the more things we can do to make
1: our speech more intelligent, the better. <laughs> it's a work in progress. <laughs>
0: um, Speaking of hey, which, uh,
1: wh- this guy's name is Matt Bettinelli, I think. I don't think there's an R in there.
0: Oh, Matt. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Bettinelli, open, right? Yeah. And uh, he's the guy behind VHS, I guess, right? Just one of the VHS skits.
1: Oh, okay. That makes as sense. As far as I could tell. Uh, the one where those dudes I, stumble upon an exorcism. Oh, okay. I I've, I've kind of forget that one, but it's. I was researching this and I can kind of pick put snippets of it in my mind. And then they did Southbound. Oh, yeah. Right. Which I think we both kind of liked, right? Yeah, that was good. Yeah, they're, they're a trio of filmmakers. They call themselves Radio Silence. Oh, cool. I like the that. The other name. dude we didn't mention, Chad, v- I think it's Vieja. Uh, mm hmm he was the executive and executive producer on this.
0: Oh, okay, okay, cool. So it's a trio that goes around, makes some cool films. Yeah. <laughs> when <laughs> you
1: when you talk about a trio go around, I I imagine they're juggling. Yeah. <laughs>
0: they're juggling uh, as they yeah. direct the film. Exactly. Uh, So yeah, one of the things uh, I think I'd said in the the year-end wrap-up was I had assumed this was a slasher. And after watching it, I'm not sure if that's the case. What do you think?
1: Yeah, it's tough to call it a slasher. I think sometimes people slap the word slasher on there when they don't know what else to call something.
0: Yeah. What, what is a modern-day slasher? Do you still need like a lot of knives? I mean, this has the high body count, It has like the, the final girl thing. Uh, what's missing from this that would make it a slasher?
1: I don't know, man. I think sometimes when it gets to be that there is more than one assailant, it's a little less slashery. Mm-hmm. Or if you know exactly who's doing the assailing, it's a little less slashery. Yeah, interesting. But I don't I think we don't know what else to call these. Like a your next, the same. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That, might tag that with slasher, but right. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I know. It's interesting you mentioned your next. Did you feel like this had a lot of overlap with the premise for your next? It did. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I thought so too. Uh, I need um, to rewatch that movie though. I forget a
0: good amount of that movie. Yeah, yeah. Me too. I remember it was awesome though. Yeah, it seemed like yeah. a fun Maybe one. We'll
1: do that for the show sometime.
0: Yeah, uh, and it's it's a good one to compare this one to, because I think when we get into the review, uh, I I feel like some of those comparisons uh, might come up more. Um, yeah, did you notice so that the lead actress? So her name is uh, Samara? Samra. Say what? Samra? I thought there's another A in there before the M. There is, but I think it flows like Samra. Oh, Samra. Got it. Yeah. Uh, so she was in The Babysitter, which I think we were lukewarm on, but she played the exact opposite role. She was like someone who was uh, worshipping the devil and trying to kill someone, and in this one, she's just the opposite, I guess. Babysitter spoilers. Oh, is that? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Should we edit that one out? <laughs> uh, I think it. Uh, we'll see. Yeah. Shit, I forgot. Yeah, I, I forgot that was a twist in that one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, opposite role. She's been
1: kind of trending lately. She was in Three Billboards. She was in a movie called Mayhem.
0: Yeah. And I noticed I, she's going to be in the new Bill and Ted movie. Oh, cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I feel like the, this movie and then the two she did before, at least, Mayhem and Babysitter, uh, Mayhem and Babysitter, are uh, horror films. So I, I thought she was going to stick with that genre, but it sounds like she's branching out then. Yeah. Yeah, and Three Billboards wasn't a horror. Yeah. Yeah, I like that one. Um, yeah. Hey, uh, so so I, I feel like this is a topic that you've brought up before, and I think you have a book on it, and just wanted to bring it up again. Um, so th- this movie, female under attack uh, and has to like survive, which I think you know is common among slashers. But if you look at the last year, I mean that's basically every horror movie. If you if you look like Midsummer, um, Crawl, uh, Black Christmas. Um, and then, you know, it's, it's kind of like this big trope, I guess, in the whole horror genre, right? That like, you have this female who's being attacked and she's got, she's got to fight back. Sometimes she wins, sometimes it's a sadder ending. But, uh, what, doesn't that mean the genre is kind of progressive then if it's, uh, focusing on females who like fight back against oppressors?
1: Yeah, for sure. And this book isn't, uh, the book we always bring up is Men, Women, and Chainsaws by Carol Clover. The book isn't like, hey, horror is misogynistic. It's kind Mm -hmm. of exploring all the things going on in horror. So, yeah, a lot of it is, some of it is misogynistic. And I don't know, it's almost like she doesn't really judge it. She's just like looking at it and trying to think about it. Yeah, just observing. Yeah, yep. So, yeah, and a lot of people are like, hey, like, horror is a really feminist genre. Like, yeah. It's got a, a female lead in almost every movie. Yeah, um, but then the opposite is like, hey,
0: you want to see females victimized? That's true, because it's like kind of painting them as being vulnerable and an easy target. Right. But yeah. then yeah, the, but then yeah, yeah, and then a lot of the movies though, the the female is able to you know win or become like the uh, yeah like survive, and that's right. like uh, yeah, it's just very interesting.
1: That's right, great. and the flip side of that would be like it's. Um, like disparaging to max masculinity or our society's concepts of masculinity. Like if a mm-hmm. man is in distress, like oh, nobody yeah. wants to see that. I'm not saying that's true that nobody wants to see that, but you know, yeah.
0: Yeah. But it, it is interesting that we see that so rarely. I mean, I, I thought get out maybe was a good example where they did that. I, I can't think of like too many other ones where, um, you have like a male main character who's like being, uh, you know, fucked up, I guess. Right, right. Um,
1: a prominent one is Nightmare on Elm Street 2. Oh, okay, right. And he's, it's not all, it, they don't come right out and say it, but he is kind of a gay character. Oh, right, yeah. Um, it, Not kind of a gay, but a gay character. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. It just wasn't very obvious. Yeah. Like, that's the way the screenwriter intended it. but yeah. Again, that that got shit on at the time it was released. There's been a lot of love for it now. Hmm. Yeah, I got to see that one, and I reviewed it for uh, the the podcast, right? Uh, yeah, I did a Patreon thing where I ranted about the whole series. Yeah, the whole franchise. But um, so then again, like the both both of the two we just mentioned, theoretically, if you buy into the screenwriter subtext that that was a gay character, there's not many with a straight white man as the victim.
0: Yeah. Right. That's so weird. Uh the the lighthouse maybe um uh, where you only have like two dudes in the whole movie anyway. Right. Um The Fly, without well, that was a dude right in the in the who's uh well I, I think so. Yeah. Maybe he was the subject of the film, yeah. Yep, that's true. Yeah. Um, no you are right. That, oh, that, that's very I mean, that makes
1: me think of Cronenberg then
0: Videodrome. Uh, yeah, you're right. There's a guy at the middle of that, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. But yeah, it definitely uh, veers one way much more than the other most often. So uh, of- I don't want to
1: get too deep into this conversation just because we'll probably just get in deeper <laughs> than we can wait out of. But one yeah. thing she says in the book that's really interesting to me is something to the effect of that the f- a woman's body is put on the line so that a man's psyche can be put on the line.
0: Ah, uh, Okay. And that so, is,
1: I mean, if you, you can read that or hear me say that and be like, "Oh, brother, like, academic feminist, whatever. Yeah. But keep that in mind when you watch movies, and you'll see it quite a bit.
0: Yeah, in in terms of, like, these movies are made for men who, to hold their interest, they're showing a girl in distress, or a woman in distress. Is um, that what she's saying?
1: No, I, yeah, that's an interesting take. But what she means is that, let's say there are two focal characters the woman's body is being victimized to challenge the main character who is a man his like or even if he's a side character and a man his psyche and that like he might be uh either losing his mind or like thinking how this is a challenge to me or i'm going through this mental hardship but he's oh. not the one physically suffering
0: oh i see like okay, it might okay. be his
1: daughter or his girlfriend or yeah
0: or whatever Oh, I see, yeah. So, so it's more of a mental play for the guy, and more of a physical play for the woman. Right. Mm, interesting.
1: And she wrote this book in, gosh, I can't remember, late 80s, early 90s, so yeah. it may not apply as much to movies of the past 20 years or so. But
0: Yeah. No, I mean, I mean, just looking at the past year and, like, the top horror films, uh, it definitely feels like uh, it's very, you know, female-driven, which is, is great for, for the genre overall. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I think Poltergeist was a movie she used to
1: to uh as an example for that. So Yeah.
0: Yeah, you've got a lot of movies where like the mother is like the main person mm-hmm. fighting for their child or something. So Yeah. Uh, and even yeah, then I mean, like the the
1: daughter's physical well-being is at risk and then the mother is the one who puts her body at
0: stake. Oh, sure. Right. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. This movie just got me thinking about that, and, and, and I realized, like, holy shit, every movie kind of follows this pattern, uh, it, it seems like. but uh, Right,
1: and and then you could say that Daniel and uh, Alex are the ones whose psyche feasible. is challenged.
0: Oh, psyche, right, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: Or threatened, at least, for most of the movie.
0: Yeah, yeah, that that, that seems pretty fair. Uh, interesting. Yeah, I'll, I'll also to get that book. Yeah, um, any, or you can just
1: uh, ask me about it every once in a while on the podcast so I can <laughs> seem smart.
0: Yeah, I feel like you bring that up usually on every <laughs> podcast. I I'm just reading
1: ag- excerpts from this book every day. <laughs> yeah, it's the only book I've ever read.
0: Yeah, yeah. I figured it's the one, <laughs> the one book. Um, yeah. Any anyone else or anything else uh, you, you recognize from this movie that's worth calling out?
1: Oh, uh, Adam Brody's in this from the OC. Yeah. Right. It's Seth. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Andy McDowell. I was surprised to see um what is what what's what's he from who is who is who is that man yeah. uh Andy McDowell is his mom uh Daniel and Alex's mom she was the uh lead in Groundhog's Day opposite Bill uh-huh. Murray oh okay okay
0: and she's been in a bunch of other stuff too oh yeah now back, back that you that. say that I I could totally see her now in, in that role yeah yeah interesting yep. um cool yeah pretty pretty good
1: cast overall this, you thinking Annie McDowell's a man is the things that get
0: us bad reviews. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I like that guy. <laughs> <laughs> he's a good guy. It's a beautiful man. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he's done some great work. <laughs> uh, any connection to Ohio? Oh, boy. All I got here is that um,
1: there are hidden passageways in this house, this mansion, mm-hmm. and stan hewitt hall a famous mansion that you can tour in akron ohio that used to belong to the cyberlink family who started goodyear they have famously a hidden passageway like it's straight out of a movie a bookshelf in the library that the whole shelf opens up and it's a door
0: ah that's awesome yeah i've always (laughs) wanted one of those in in my house though i think it would just go to the bathroom yeah, you're <laughs> just like outside because you don't have enough money
1: to <laughs> yeah. do just anything you outside for the extra the square footage there.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's just a secret door out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, that'd be pretty cool. Um, yeah. I've never been in that uh, mansion, of you? Yeah, man, it's cool. You should go sometime. Maybe we'll ah, do a okay. date there next time we're in town together. Yeah, yeah, that sounds fun. Um, and yeah, I didn't realize I was owned by the family that owned Goodyear. Yep. Nice yeah, accurate on the map. As a bullet
1: point under this Ohio connection, I have talked to, talk to Ashwin about me maybe stopping doing these Ohio connections.
0: Oh, <laughs> yeah. I was wondering when you get tired of <laughs> researching all this stuff. <laughs> they're uh, getting
1: like so, so much more like not connected and so much harder to find.
0: <laughs> that always depends yeah. on the movie, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's weird. Sometimes they're like the most like random detail, and you're able to like connect it really well. Uh, yeah. This one was an interesting fact, though. I mean, next time I'm an acronym, I might seek that out.
1: Yeah. Was, we also had a,
0: a wonderful listener, Rod, just posted on our Facebook
1: that the next Wrong Turn movie is being filmed in Ohio. So. Oh, cool! Nice. Got that one in the bank.
0: Yeah. Nice. All right. That one's all prepped. Um, <laughs> otherwise, like a, I think this movie's been really well reviewed. 88% on Rotten Tomatoes it did really well against its budget of six million. It got 57 million, which is pretty crazy. Yeah. Um, I also saw it was the widest release for Fox Searchlight Studios. Did that, that sound. Widest release? Um, huh.
1: Or was it widest horror release? Uh, I just saw widest release, but yeah, I'll have to go back and double check that. It could be. It could be. I saw somebody or an article on Bloody Disgusting making a big deal that this was. Fox is now owned by Disney and Disney mm-hmm. has canceled a lot of projects that they didn't think fit the Disney brand and so it was a big sure. deal for this horror movie to come out under Disney.
0: Oh yeah. Oh so this one did come out on Disney. Pretty much. Well, Fox Fox is now owned by Disney. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I wonder if we won't see too many more of these pop up then. Yeah, yeah,
1: maybe not from from Fox Searchlight, but who knows? Yeah. I mean, this was successful.
0: Yeah, I know. You'd think that with the money this made that would have proven something. Um, okay. Anything else? That's all I got. All right, so let's talk about the plot and uh, some of the spoilers, and we'll give our review. Uh, But before we do that, I'm going to take a quick break. I just need to do something really quick. Okay. All right, I'll be right back. Hey man, I'm back. Yeah? Yeah? Yeah. I I got this uh, nightly tradition where I have to sacrifice some goats outside. It's supposed to be really good for your skin, so uh, I just had to do that really quick. Um, Just in the middle of Chicago. (laughs) Yeah. 8.30 in Chicago every evening, I gotta sacrifice a goat. (laughs) It's getting hard. Uh, Is that what they sacrifice in these movies, or was it sheep? They were goats. Oh, okay. They were goats. All right. Yeah. The devil loves goats. Oh, okay, right, yeah, that's like from the witch and everything, right? Yeah. Black yep. Philip. Yep. Uh, yeah, that's that's a shame, because if it was sheep, imagine all the wool that would be going around. If you're sacrificing sheep, you'd have all these uh, cult people just, like, wearing nice wool sweaters, potentially. Yeah, I mean, it's a waste of wool, if it's, I mean, that's probably why it's goats. Oh, yeah, yeah, I guess if you kill it, then you're out of wool. Yeah. All right, that's fair um
1: yeah you, you got to keep those sheep alive making wool yeah yeah I in a factory that.
0: yeah right
1: um i this was just a little bit of an addendum uh i think you mentioned ryan murphy is one of the writers that is a different ryan murphy than the american horror story ryan murphy oh
0: oh okay get, just to get clarify to call it. out in case anyone's
1: uh, ears perked up when they heard that name sounds good actually i don't think i said that name Oh, okay, yeah, it was co-written by Guy Busick and Ryan Murphy.
0: Oh, okay, cool. And, and it's a different Ryan Murphy than yep. American Horror Story. Interesting. Yeah. All right, well, uh, so the plot, this movie starts with a, a guy in a tux who's been married, is running around a mansion, uh, and he runs into two brothers, and he, he's asking them to help him out. But uh, the brothers instead alert their family, who comes and murders the guy. And I think this is one of you know, I think you brought up a good point on one of our last episodes of how, like, all these movies basically tell you the plot now in their trailers. Yep. So you, coming into this movie, you basically already know what's going on, right? Yeah. Yeah. Which
1: I think that's, I mean, if it reveals the premise, okay, but.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel like this, this one went a little further. Yeah, I didn't go back and watch the trailer for this one. Oh, okay. That's, that's a good move. Um, so then we jump thirty years into the future, and one of the brothers is marrying Grace, uh, and they're doing it at this huge mansion that his family owns. The early sequences are all about Grace and the friction between her and the in-laws. Basically, she doesn't really get along with them. Uh, there's a lot of friction there, uh, and we know that Alex too, who's their son, has been kind of estranged from them for a few years. Um, I, I liked all this kind of uh, context and character setting. I thought it was like really relatable, and like you could easily like buy into that family tension. Yeah, yep, and uh
1: Rae Weaving had a good performance in this movie, too, so she was a really believable character.
0: Yeah, yeah, and in her backstory, I guess it's like she grew up in foster homes, so she doesn't have much of a family, and she's just really desperate to, like, get this family to like her and, and be accepted. Right. Um, yeah, which adds
1: an interesting twist, because it's not just like, oh, brother, my wealthy, crazy in-laws, but like, hey, like, this is my opportunity for a family. Yeah, yeah. Right. Even though they
0: are, I'm also aware that they're wealthy and crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it adds like a motive in her in her uh, personality, I guess. Yeah. Um, so then the wedding wraps up, but then that night the family calls Alex and Grace down to take part in this tradition that the family does every time there's a wedding. And the father explains it, that, that basically their great-grandfather or someone in their ancestry once made a deal with this guy named La Bale. And, uh, basically the deal was the family would become really wealthy and, uh, have all this money and, like, build this board game empire. But in return, they had to do this tradition where every time someone gets married, the bride has to draw this card. And whatever game is on that card, the family has to play that game. So, she draws this card and it says hide and seek on it. Which, the whole time in this movie, I was wondering, why isn't this movie named hide and seek?
1: Um... Good question. Isn't there a horror movie named Hide and Seek already? I think so.
0: I, you might be right. I, I, I'll double check that.
1: But like Ready uh, or Not, Here I Come is what you say when
0: you go find somebody. That's true too. Yeah. Or when you're Lauren Hill. Oh, yeah. Is that, that's from the from Miseducation?
1: Yep. Nice.
0: No, uh, that's from, oh, I don't remember the name of that album. The Foodies oh, okay. album. Okay. Yeah, no, that's true. I guess, I guess it is a phrase you do throw in in, in that game. Ready yeah. uh, right or not, here I come. Just usually you're supposed to hide well enough so you don't hear people say that, I guess. But it's okay. Uh, so then, uh, so now, uh, so she goes and she hides in this dumbwaiter. And I think, you know, in, in Grace's head, we you know, she's kind of like thinking this whole thing's really silly. And like, what the hell is going on? But then we're seeing the family start arming themselves with these really antique weapons. Which I, I really liked how they threw that in. It kind of felt like the movie Clue or something, where they're just going around with like crossbows and uh, like old revolvers and stuff. I, I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, really
1: matched the aesthetic of this mansion and stuff, too.
0: Yeah, and it, I, I feel like aesthetic is like uh, kind of what this movie does really well throughout the whole thing. The mansion, the weapons, the music, uh, that, that all was really cool.
1: Yeah, and the tone, too, if you could expand that discussion yeah. to the tone. They, sure. they nailed that.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, she's, uh, while she's hiding, uh, she, Alex manages to come and find her and he tries to warn her that all of this is for real and she needs to take this seriously. And while they're like hiding in this bedroom, one of the nannies gets murdered by one of the, one of the people in the family. And I think she gets shot or stabbed. Do you remember? That one gets shot in the head. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, so now Grace kind of knows it's real. Her and Alex run into one of these, uh, hidden tunnels or passageways in the house and uh, he basically explains to her that when he joined the family, um, you have to play this game, and basically they have to kill her before dawn, otherwise the entire family is going to die. Um, as a viewer, how did you feel about Alex at this point? Like, Wasn't this kind of a douchey move to marry someone and then put them at risk here?
1: Yeah, definite douchey move.
0: Yeah, but then he tries to like backpedal it, and he's like, well, if I, I knew if I told you you wouldn't marry me, I guess. Uh, so I, I, I couldn't tell like is this like true love or something or yeah that this scene
1: was interesting because it was kind of a, a tough situation for her and learning this and you were kind of wondering what's gonna happen but it seemed like she was still on board and Alex made a convincing enough argument to make it like uh, 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 maybe <laughs> I see where he's coming from although still what the fuck yeah
0: yeah yeah still WTF but yeah I'm, I'm still with you and we'll, we'll try to figure it out together or something yeah, yeah. so anyway, uh, he tells her to find an exit. He's going to go to the security room, disarm the doors, and turn off the cameras. He does that, but while he's doing that, his father and his brother come and capture him. Meanwhile, she makes it to like the kitchen and, and fights off this butler, and she manages to escape the house and finds a barn uh, with a bunch of goats in it. But there she runs into a young nephew who's probably like, I don't know, five or six years old, and she tries to talk to him, but he ends up like shooting her through the hand, which I, I thought that was pretty hilarious. Did you like that? Yeah. <laughs> she just like, hits him in the face and knocks him unconscious. <laughs> yeah. I think that's what I do if like I had a young nephew and he shoot me through the hand. I just
1: You know, him. Sh- that's one of those things, you know how people will say in movies, like, oh, anything with, I can watch all sorts of violence, but anything with fingernails or eyes, I'm, it freaks yeah. me out. When someone gets shot through the hand and it makes a hole, that Uh-oh. always... Really freaks me out.
0: Yeah, yeah, Those those are really gross to see. I'm with you. Just to look at your hand and be able to see through it? Yeah, yeah, that's super gross. (laughs) And and then it gets worse because she falls into this pit with all these dead goats, and she climbs out and impales her hand again on, like, a a nail. So, like, yeah, Yeah. her hands are, like, taking a beating. Yeah. It was rough. Pretty gross. Yeah, yeah. Uh, So, anyway, uh, after she gets out of that pit, she stabs her hand, obviously, and then uh, she tries. She tries to run out of the house uh, and out of the property. She makes it out, but then the butler finds her and basically drags her back uh, to the house. Um, there, they get her ready for the sacrifice. Um, and uh, what happens? Oh yeah, then uh, the, her, uh, I guess her fiance, her husband's brother, so her brother-in-law, uh, sabotages the whole uh, sacrifice because he's had a. I think he has a soft spot for her. And, yeah, and uh, this is
1: Adam Brody, and he's he's the one who hid his brother at the beginning, because he, like, was protecting his brother. So he's kind of been hinted as having a soft spot the whole way through. Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. And, and early on in the film, uh, I think he let her, like, slip by when, when they were on the hunt for her. Yeah, he was like, I'll give you a 10-second head start. Yeah, so, you, you know, he's kind of on edge with this whole thing, and he's kind of trying to help Grace out. Um but uh yeah, he, he basically somehow temporarily poisons everyone so they're not able to kill her. She makes a run for it. Um, but while she's running, she gets confronted by Andy, the mother-in-law played by Andy, uh, and ends up uh, killing the mother-in-law by like smashing her head in. And yeah, yeah that, was, that was pretty gross. Uh, just how she went to town on her was it did she have like a phone in her hand or something? I think it was that box, the box that they pulled a card from to
1: see. What game would be.
0: Yeah, yeah, you're right. And then, uh, yeah, she bashes her head in. At this point, Alex finally comes out. He'd been uh, tied up by his brother and uh, his dad. Uh, He sees, you know, what's happened. You know, the place is on fire. His brother's been shot by someone. And his mom is there, dead. And I think at this point, he realizes that Grace probably isn't going to stick with him anymore. And so in that moment of despair... He kind of relents and uh, decides to join in on s- sacrificing grace, uh, which I thought was a really interesting turn in events. It yeah, it, it was interesting.
1: I kind of liked it because you're kind of wondering, like, do I want to root for this guy or is he just a giant asshole for putting her in this situation? And it kind of yeah lets you know you were right to
0: to think he's an asshole. I guess, yeah. I mean, throughout the whole film, that's one thing that's really weird. Like, how much do you want to hate this guy? And uh, yeah, at this point, he kind of turns that corner and he's become... He's not, like, trying to save her anymore. Now he just wants to kill her. Right. So the family now, again, prepares to murder her. uh, But right as they go to stab her in the heart or whatever, she slips away. And uh, they're getting ready to kill her. But dawn breaks. And so they realize that, oh shit, you know, we, we didn't kill her in time. And then there's this like funny moment where they're all like looking at each other because they think they're supposed to die, but nothing's happening. <laughs> and they're like cringing and everything and yeah. like almost writhing in anticipated pain like they're a vampire
1: who's about to just fry in the sun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I really like that part. <laughs> yeah. This movie is, I don't even know if we mentioned it's a horror comedy in the genre discussion.
0: Yeah. Kind of, kind of. Yeah. messed up, but it's funny. It is funny. <laughs> and, and yeah, we'll, we'll get back to some of the horror elements. But yeah, this is one of the parts where, because I, I think before a few times too, they're like, well, is this like legend even real or is this curse even real? Uh, like, they didn't have any definitive proof. And there's like these stories, or, like these folklores about other people who didn't do it. But then uh, other people would be like, no, that was just a fire, the house burned down or something. So was, this is kind of a funny moment where they're like, oh shit, you know, maybe we didn't have to do all of this. Yeah. Um. So, but but they're like, you know, we got this witness, so we got to kill her. But before they can do that, they all just like start violently exploding, which uh, I thought that was also pretty hilarious, like that visual of them just like combusting.
1: Yeah, it was kind
0: of like somebody popped a bubble or
1: popped a balloon that was full of blood, just like splashes all over the room.
0: Yeah, it goes all over (laughs) everyone. Yeah. So they they all basically blow up and die, and and her husband Alex is the last one to blow up, and he's kind of begging her for forgiveness, and she's like, no, and. Basically, then he blows up and dies. Then she sees the ghost of LaBelle, the guy who put this curse on the family, sitting by the fire and kind of nodding to her. And uh, the movie ends with her sitting outside the mansion while it burns down and some police coming up. And they say what happened and she says, the in-laws. Is that what she says? Yeah, just in-laws. Oh, in-laws. Yeah. You're fired from the set. Yeah. Uh, which I thought she would have said marriage, but yeah, I guess in laws is close enough.
1: She was originally supposed to say rich people, but there was already a line like that somewhere in the movie, so they thought it was too on the nose and backed away from it.
0: Oh, are you serious? Yeah, that's a, that's one of the, the themes of the movie I really liked is that because his family's really rich, and at, at some points, like she's like calling out rich people for uh, you know those teenagers that don't pick her up when she runs outside the house. Right, um, and his
1: car speeds away, and she's like fucking rich people.
0: Yeah, yeah. And even like her versus the rich family, uh, I, I think you know her as the outsider and and all right, that it comes from nothing. Yeah, I I, I like those elements. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, what what did you think? Uh,
1: I liked it. I I liked the comedy. I thought it was legit, pretty funny. Um, two comedic highlights that we didn't mention are the sister, who just keeps screwing up, and is all coked up and really like woe is me when she messes up <laughs> yeah. and has to get comforted by her dad like she's that first woman like maybe the nanny who dies she shoots her in the head because she enters a room and assumes it's grace yeah and then she accidentally like bow and arrows another household employee through the yeah. mouth and uh, she's like, "Why am I so bad at this?" <laughs> and yeah. then her husband is just kind of a doofus, and you'll see scenes of him like on the toilet, YouTubing how to use a crossbow, <laughs> and yeah, he, he's just, clearly like, like texting not, his
0: buddies and Googling stuff throughout. Yeah, he was like not really in it. Kind of, kind of like a typical guy who's like, like a son-in-law. Like he's, he's just kind of like hanging out in his own Googling stuff. Yeah. Not, not really giving a shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I, I thought all the characters were actually were pretty funny. Uh, then even um, Adam Brody's wife, uh, I, th- I think, like, their whole relationship is hilarious because, like, they're so cold to each other. And, yeah. and she's basically just in it for the money. But, uh, it's, yeah, it's kind of funny.
1: And his wife's a little bit the opposite of this dopey guy. Like, they're both, they have both married into this family, but Adam Brody's wife is, like, all about it. She's, like, yeah. deadly.
0: Yeah, yeah. I also thought it was funny how they all sucked at hide and seek. Like none of them, like, were good at like seeking, like, like finding where someone's <laughs> hiding. They all just kind of yeah, like, like hung out together. If you know you have a dumb
1: waiter in your house, you, that's gotta be the first place to look.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like none of them were like even making a real effort. Like that, at one point, uh, Adam Brody's wife uh, sees Grace running through the property and just like kind of points at her and like tries shooting her with like a crossbow or something and like misses terribly. And it's just like that. That's how little effort these guys were putting in. <laughs> yeah, uh, it was so,
1: they weren't very good at it.
0: Yeah, yeah, but I, I think that captures the whole like richness of like how how these people were and just yeah, coked up their or, or whatever personalities they had. Yeah. Uh, one thing,
1: and this is, I may be a victim of the preconceived notions that I had heading into this movie, but all the advertising for this movie is Sam Weaving with a shotgun. And a bunch of shells mm-hmm. like draped around her shoulder, or like, and blood splattered all over her. I was a little bit expecting her to, at some point, just start kicking ass and taking names. Yeah. And that never really happened. And I
0: was a little disappointed. Yeah, that was my exact uh, critique of it, too. Like, it, that's what was so great about your next is like, you know, you have a protagonist there who like takes on uh, the bad guys and starts killing them. And, and yeah, the marketing of this made it sound like Samra was like gonna come under an element and just start like tearing these guys out. But um, I think, yeah, she only kills like one or two people in this movie. Right. And most yeah, of the time she's just, kind of
1: saved by the bell in a little bit towards the end.
0: Yeah. Most, most of the movies like her just like getting uh, like tortured basically or, or like on the run. Right. Yeah. Yeah, this movie, I, I really liked this movie to be
1: clear, but it, there were just a lot of things. I think it was such a good setup and had so much potential that there were certain avenues that I would have liked to see more of that they didn't do.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like
1: even the hide and seek thing you're talking about earlier, it's this big cavernous mansion with secret passageways. Um, like I would have liked to have seen more intricate settings or oh, just totally. have them use that in an action sequence a bit better.
0: Yeah, yeah, they totally missed missed that one. Yeah, like
1: there was an extended scene out at the like stables or whatever, and it's like
0: oh, this house is
1: pretty awesome. Like
0: Yeah. That, that would have been um, really cool to see, like, yeah, well, like her walk into a room, like, someone's like hiding in one of the corners or something,
1: yeah, or she stumbles upon some sort of secret passageway or gets confused somehow, and that happened a tiny bit, but yeah, um, yeah, no, I, I agree with you. And then you've got like Mr. Lobel, who you could have explored that a little bit more, but yeah, they chose to focus more on the family and, and the villains. Uh, yep. Which I think did work in a lot of ways because they were, they kind of painted an interesting cast of characters and they were all pretty funny in their own ways. But yeah, there were other things where I'm like, oh, I would have loved to see more of that.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think you're right. The movie played up the comedy, family, interaction, drama more uh, versus like the horror, like yeah, a, g- a great like story or sequence. Um, yeah, I kind of miss that. Even, you know, in the beginning, we see people wearing these masks, which I actually liked the masks a lot, I thought they were really cool. And then we barely see that again in the movie. Uh, they're never wearing that mask again, which is kind of disappointing. Right, right, yeah. It didn't it never really did
1: get scary? And then the scene, so the gun thing. She basically finds this gun on the wall and all these shells. Yeah. And then it's with her for one scene where she's got a cat and mouse thing going on with the butler, and then she learns that the shells are all <laughs> fake. So yeah. It's just thinking. like the gun's with her for like five minutes. It yeah. doesn't end up working, but that's what you see all over the marketing.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, between that and then like the scene where she's running around the passageways and tears her wedding dress, and like she's wearing the sneakers under it, you just kind of think like, wow, she's about to like rip up into these guys and really take them on. Uh, and then yeah, that never really happens. It's, it's yeah, yeah. They're kind of
1: building up to it. Like, okay, <laughs> here it comes. She's gonna. Yeah. She's gonna take it all back now and. Yeah. Uh, be a force to be reckoned with, and yeah, it, it doesn't happen. It. I think it still is a really good plot and the direction they chose to go with it worked like it was a really good script. I just would have loved to have if they had dipped yeah into yeah me what too. I thought it was gonna be
0: yeah, I, th- I think it really kind of boosted this film up a little bit more. Um, yeah. the other thing that that i that I kind of thought um you know there's obviously some commentary in here about uh, what we were talking about before the poor versus the rich and her kind of just like kind of uh, going off on these rich people uh, for like these crazy traditions they do. Uh, in that moment in the end where um you know they they kind of think for a minute that maybe this curse was fake and it's just some tradition they've been doing for no reason there was a part of me that wanted the movie to like stick with that and like have the whole thing be some like super tradition that these rich people were doing because they like bought into it for some reason and they didn't know any wiser and there was no like supernatural element I feel like that would have just like been the icing on the cake of like this whole like rich person uh being like terrible uh kind of ideal but uh, did, you, did you feel that at all? That would have
1: been cool, actually, and then they could have had a few minutes of her kicking ass and getting out of there. Yeah,
0: I would. I would have liked that. Like to see that ending a lot. Yeah, been pretty cool. Um, yeah, that yeah. would have been interesting. Yeah, yeah. kind of a missed. Uh, yeah, I, I'm with you. I feel like there were some missed opportunities here, um, but overall, it feels like you, you liked the comedy and the tone. Yeah, the... I did.
1: You know, I'm excited to watch this again now that I know what it was. I think I might even
0: enjoy it more. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, and it, you know, I, I think I came from the opposite angle where I've, I've seen, I I've saw so many trailers for this movie, and really in every trailer, they basically show the whole movie and uh, like even those like three maids that get killed, or the three nannies that get killed, uh, and the crossbow and everything. I just feel like the trailers gave away so much of it that like when you're watching it, you're just waiting to see the scenes that you're already prepping yourself for. When are you going to stop watching these trailers, man? I don't know. They're They're just so good though, you know? <laughs> That's
1: like my favorite part. <laughs> Just to watch them after.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's what I gotta say. <laughs> Did you have you seen the trailer for this yet? No, no. I occasionally
1: I will watch the trailer after I've seen the movie, just to yeah, have, be informed
0: a bit going into these recordings. But no, yeah. I, I haven't seen the trailer for this one. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, you should check it out. I, I just feel like it gives away most of the movie. Um, and uh, and yeah, I, I was kind of waiting for like a big big turn, but I, I feel like that didn't happen. Yeah. Uh, So how many nails through the hands, or how how many bullets through the hands, I guess, would you give this one? You know, I was between a three and a half and a four, but I'll give it a four, just because I do feel like if I rewatch it, it'd probably be right up there as a solid four. How about you? Wow, that's pretty generous. Uh, I'm going to go with the three and a half. I mean, I I just feel like there were some missed opportunities here to make it very interesting and a lot more different uh, than like other movies that we've seen. But uh, yeah, it it was solid and entertaining, though.
1: Yeah, yeah, I do think it really nailed the quirky, comedic tone that it was going for, and yeah, yeah the acting was really great throughout.
0: Yeah, yeah, you like Samara in this? Yeah, I thought she did great. How about you? Yeah, yeah, she did really good. I like her
1: a lot. I mean, I, I liked s- her in The Babysitter, too, even though I was a little lukewarm on that movie. Yeah,
0: yeah, I, f- I feel like and she's I a pretty I don't
1: think c- we straight disliked that movie, I just think we were a bit surprised to see how many people loved it.
0: Yeah, it got a lot of hype. Um, yeah. I, yeah, but I feel like both that and Ready or Not, they kind of rely on the marketing, which has a lot of Samra in it, and like putting her on the cover and uh, making it like kind of feel like, for you, like here's a badass coming for you. Right. And she's uh, like, also
1: a beautiful person.
0: Yeah, that helps. That helps. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Any, anything else on this one? That's all I got. All right, man. Well, that's it for our discussion on Ready or Not. If you enjoyed the episode, please give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. That's going to help other people find our show, and we always appreciate the support. If you want to join the discussion, you can find our social links on horrormovieclub.com, or you can shoot us an email at podcast at horrormovieclub.com. We're going to be announcing next week's movie on Facebook and Twitter, in case you want to watch it ahead of time. We also have a Discord server where we're chatting up with other listeners and other horror fans, so you can find the link to that on our website. And we also have a Patreon page in case you want to throw some change our way. You can find that at patreon.com slash club Our logo is by Amy Mayer Pop Art, so check her out on etsy.com. And until next time, if you're thinking about getting married and you haven't met the in-laws yet, maybe bring a crossbow with you to the wedding. Always
1: do.